Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. And today we will be talking, as we always do on the Yoga Hour, about yoga in the broadest sense. Some people, when they hear the word yoga, think of it in a more limited, narrow fashion as perhaps an exercise program or stretching. But yoga is actually a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. And we're really talking about bringing together our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Our topic today is Heal Your Body, Strengthen Your Mind, and Free Your Spirit. What are some simple Ayurvedic practices that can enhance our body, mind, and spirit? And how can we bring the wisdom of the world's oldest healing system into our everyday lives today? So we're going to be talking about simple, doable steps for better sleep, less stress, optimal digestion, and more. And my guest today is Ananta Ripa Ajmira, an Ayurvedic practitioner, yoga instructor, and author of the best-selling book, The Ayurveda Way, 108 Practices from the World's Oldest Healing System for Better Sleep, Less Stress, Optimal Digestion, and More. Ananta is the Director of Program Development at Vedika Global, which was founded by Ananta's teacher or guru, Acharya Shunya. Ananta has taught at Stanford University School of Medicine, California Probation Departments, ABC News, and then leading business conferences. And her writing is featured on Mind Body Green, Elephant Journal, and Huffington Post. You can find out more about Ananta and her book at her website, wholeyoga-ayurveda. Dot com. Welcome, Ananta Ripajmira. I'm delighted that you're joining me this morning on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. So before we dive into our dialogue, let's take time for a brief meditation. Let's take that moment, that yoga moment. Let's begin by just bringing our attention to the present and noticing, noticing if you're sitting or standing, noticing where your body is supported, feeling anything, perhaps if you're outside, there might be a breeze, the sensation of being supported by whatever your body is touching, perhaps there's a sight or sound or smell so just notice and then turning our attention within as we're able just notice as you take a fully conscious breath noticing as you inhale and exhale 
not trying to change the natural rhythm of your breathing, just noticing, feeling the cool air as it enters your nostrils, and the warm air flowing out. With each inhale, we dive within. And with each exhale, we relax. And in this moment, as we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. It's within us, between us, and all around us. And just by being present and noticing, we can rest there. And perhaps as we rest, we notice thoughts or feelings and realize we can watch them, watch them arise and then watch them pass away. And in this practice, as we rest in this essence of our being, we realize that it's beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, Just being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. Now, as we touch that peace within, let's remember to bring it with us into the rest of our day and to share it with all we meet. Once again, Ananta Ripajmira, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Again, I'm so delighted that you could join me today. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. And I have really been enjoying your beautiful book, The Ayurveda Way. I love the way that you've made Ayurveda accessible with so many ideas about beneficial lifestyle changes that we can incorporate into our daily routine. And we've had uh, your guru, Acharya Shunya, on the program several times. And listeners who are interested in those episodes can check out our archive at unity.fm slash the yoga hour and just look for... Acharya Shunya. The subtitle of your book I was interested in because you list the 108, the the number 108, 108 practices from the world's oldest healing system. So um, what for people who may not be familiar with the significance of that, uh, it may seem like a random number. So what, what is the significance of the number 108 and why did you choose to highlight it? Why did you choose that number of practices in your book? Yeah, you know, in the Vedic tradition that I've learned through my guru, Acharya Shunya, the number three is really one of completion. So the natural cycles of life, even the idea of birth, life, and death, all come in multiples of three. So then the number nine, which is three times three, and its multiples, like 108, are therefore considered very auspicious. Mm-hmm. And when we think about it, we actually gestate in our mother's womb for nine months. And I like to think of the book as being like 108 
different ways that are like a mala, right? Like they're like a a string of prayer beads Mm -hmm. of inspiring practices for essentially giving birth to a new and improved version of us. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. So what inspired you to write this book at this time? It's interesting because my guru had asked me to start writing some beginner articles about Ayurveda online just to educate people, to let them know that this option exists for them. It's still not as well known as its sister science of yoga. Mm -hmm. So she felt that that was an important thing to do, and she had requested that I do that. So I did. You know, I always listen to the guidance that I receive. And then she had suggested that maybe these articles could become a beautiful book for people to, again, just introduce them to Ayurveda and all that it has to offer. And then sure enough, six months later, a publisher had read one of the articles that I had written, traced back to my website and reached out to request me to write the book. And then I went back to Acharya Shunya G and asked her, is this okay, you know, to write this book? And can I have your blessings to do it? And so she said, yes. I told you actually that this would happen. So that's kind of <laughs> the genesis of the book. No, that that's really great. And, and I would just comment that it's a beautiful book. I mean, you've incorporated just some beautiful photographs and and the the 108 practices are, are I should mention to people, it's very short. Each one is maybe a page, you know, or maybe two pages. Um, and so it's very easy to digest, which we like for Ayurveda, right? Yes, digestion is the key to health. So everything, even including information, is ideally digestible. Yeah. So in the introduction to the book, you talk about Ayurveda and how these Ayurvedic practices really changed your life. So can you share with us a bit about that story? What was your life like before you found Ayurveda? And then how how has it changed since then? Yeah, it was so different. Before Ayurveda, I really struggled, you know, for years with eating disorders. And I think what had happened was uh, we had lost two very dear relatives of ours, my mother's sister and her son, my cousin, Mm. when I was 11 years old. And they had passed away just exactly one month of each other. And I remember at that time, I was not able to grieve their loss because mm-hmm. I was sent to go entertain someone, you know, so that I, I, the grief didn't have a chance to really get expressed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think so many of us grow up with that idea that good girls shouldn't cry or a real man doesn't cry or show their mm-hmm. emotions. And so really, I think my grief got suppressed and it it got expressed in the form of this eating disorder. And I really searched everywhere to try to figure out what was happening and how to address it. And I did even read that sometimes, you know, the the shock of loss can be a trigger for eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And also I had, my sister was born around that time. So it was like dealing with death as well as loss and birth at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then just having a lot of responsibilities as a child and having some other childhood trauma actually too that I was unable to process be- because I was still a child. So this was, mm-hmm. you know, when I was 11, 12 years old, I really suffered. And then I found some temporary ways to bring myself out of it. But I realized as I moved into my 20s that even though yoga was giving me relief, I was still having nightmares at night. I was having a lot of trouble digesting my food and was generally very anxious and could not find answers. I looked and I tried all these different diets. I read the books. I went to therapists. I did the self-help forums online and just nothing seemed to help. Mm -hmm. And then to learn about Ayurveda and how it's this truly holistic system, which acknowledges all parts of us, our physical aspects, our emotional aspects, psychological, and even the spiritual felt like a coming home. It felt like I would be understood here. And I really appreciated that my guru had said that, you know, health is your birthright. And no matter how many layers of distress there may be around the mind and the body, health actually is your reality. And that Mm. was such a powerful 
message because I got so identified with the label that I am anorexic or I am, you know, an insomniac or I'm just an anxious person, but it, it just removed all those labels and allowed me to go beyond these experiences and to see them as just that experiences, not who I was at all. And mm-hmm. I think that was really what, what did it for me. I started to study with my guru and then I noticed that all these difficulties that I had for so many years, just one by one started to disappear and mm-hmm. there was just no looking back then. Mm-hmm. No, that's so great. And I, I'm happy that you mentioned that. Um, I had been caught by that quote in your introduction. And the quote was, Ayurveda teaches that health is our birthright, and that it exists at the core of each person, though hidden at times by disease and distress. And I ha- I'm just a beginning student of Ayurveda. But one of the things I've been really struck by is that is that it really teaches that health is our birthright and that the body has this tremendous ability to self-heal when we help it to do, you know, by doing the kinds of things, making the kinds of changes that you talk about in your book. So um, I actually even use this idea, which is also, you know, common to yoga about this, you know, health, health being our birthright, health is within us. And regular listeners may remember this as my sign off. So I, I sign off by saying you carry your own healing and wholeness within you, which I which I truly believe. So um, it just seems to me that that is such a hopeful place to begin in with a healing system is that that is possible that you know that health is possible you know for each of us and that it's our birthright so what has been your experience of sharing this approach with your clients how how do people respond to that i think people respond overwhelmingly to it i mean it's just beautiful to see the kind of hope that this message that you just beautifully reflected back really does awaken in people. I remember actually the night that my book came out, which was almost exactly one year ago in April, I uh, had launched it with the NYU Reynolds program in social entrepreneurship, which I was a part of as a college student. And the the director was gracious enough to want to host this gathering to support the launch of the book. And many Mm. people had come from throughout the university and friends and, you know, just community in New York. And I remember in the book signing line, there was one woman who had been diagnosed with cancer. And she came to me with tears in her eyes and said that seeing me and seeing the book was just giving her this hope that even though she was diagnosed with such a terminal and difficult illness, to hear that health actually is her birthright just really, really touched her in a deep way. Mm. Well, that's that's really a great story. Yeah, and so, I've had many such experiences like that, you know, as I've traveled, especially as I've traveled with the book, actually introducing mm. Ayurveda to people of all different communities, whether that be in probation, um, probation halls in California or medical communities or business conferences or, you know, natural health fairs. It just feels like the message really reaches people and it really, it really instills some positive feeling that yes, this this thing called health is actually attainable without mm. needing to rely on someone else and without that whole dependency that we have on drugs and on doctors, but we can mm-hmm. actually access this within. I think people find it very empowering. Mm-hmm. Well, as a you know Western trained physician, I always have to you know uh, say that you know obviously I do believe there's a place for Western you know medicine. But Absolutely. it's interesting how the you know how the approach is really. It's, it's, it's just so different. And I think that, you know, what's interesting about Western medicine is we now understand things at such a, such a, um, you know, molecular biological level, you know, so we understand things about the cell and obviously those, that's enabled, you know, uh, Western medicine to develop drugs and all this sort of thing. But going along with that, there is a, 
uh, a view of the body then that becomes very mechanistic. It becomes more like a machine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I've, I've really appreciated is that this different approach in Ayurveda of this looking at the body as this, um, op- uh, as an organism that it has this tremendous capacity to heal itself. Um, again, you know, with these supportive, you know, supportive practices. And I, I want to come back to something you said just a few minutes ago about Ayurveda felt like coming home to you. And I was struck in uh, the, the beginning of the book, you talk about how you actually discovered that it's been in your family. Wasn't it your grandfather or great-grandfather yeah. or something? Yeah, that was quite amazing, actually. It was six months into my Ayurveda journey, and we were celebrating this Vedic festival called Guru Purnima, which is traditionally a time where we really honor our guru, our teachers, all of our teachers, and our ancestors. And that was exactly the time when my cousin, my maternal cousin, had told me that our own grandfather I knew he was a doctor, but I thought he was a Western doctor. But it turned out he was actually an Ayurveda healer. And we have a whole lineage of Ayurveda healers on my mother's side of the family. So That's that was- such an amazing story that you didn't even know it and that you were so attracted and you described it felt like coming home in this way. And actually it was really, right, for it- you? <laughs> It really was. And I guess I just had to suffer through it to be able to come back to it and really appreciate it for what it had to offer. And I totally agree with you that there is also a place for Western medicine. And I think what what many people have expressed in the Western medical community that I've met along this journey is how beautifully it actually complements the Western modalities. And if people are going through chemotherapy, they can also employ the Ayurveda practices for their Mm -hmm. diet, for their lifestyle. And no matter what the quantity of life is remaining, we can always enhance the quality of our life. And so I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful compliment in this way. Mm -hmm. And we now have the best of both worlds with advanced technology along with the inner technology, you know, which which has withstood the test of time to keep us healthy. Oh, I love that inner technology. That's great. So, um, as sister sciences, yoga and Ayurveda, um, they both have a common origin in the Vedas. And yoga and Ayurveda both rest on the principle that at our core, our essence, we all have the soul qualities of joy, peace, and freedom that are independent of any outside circumstances. And that again is such a hopeful, you know, hopeful message to me. Now it may not be that we are um, experiencing those in our lives at the moment, but that they are accessible, you know, on a soul level. So, how has connecting with and experiencing those soul qualities been helpful in your own healing? It wasn't just helpful. It was actually instrumental for me. That's how my journey began. Truly, I remember we had learned. Initially, in the Ayurveda course that I took with Acharya Shunya, this really beautiful ancient Vedic ritual called, in Sanskrit, it's called Karadarshanam. And what it means in English is to gaze meaningfully at our hands. And as we do that, we really acknowledge that the power of knowledge, abundance, creativity, and the ability to really change our lives begins with us. It lays in our own hands. And Mm -hmm. as I would affirm that, I feel like it really helped me to let go of the patterns of control that I was holding on to, which were also a causative factor of my eating disorder. And -hmm. it helped me to really surrender my hands into the hands of a greater cosmic power that may my hands be guided to make decisions and choices that bring health and well-being to myself and to those around me. And so every morning, I would start by making this offering and making this intention and really connecting with my own higher self. And I think that gave me then the willpower to put into practice all of these other 108 practices that I've now written about in my book because I felt that I could do it. I felt connected with my true inner being, which was having all of these characteristics and which then supported me to actually step by step really change my own life. Mm, That's really just 
Beautifully said. Here's really great. And I love that practice, you know, the, you know, looking at your hands um, in the morning. What a lovely way to wake up. So it's, you know, change is hard. Change is hard for anybody. Um, and when we're talking about, you know, doing something different. So these are lifestyle practices, but probably aren't the ones necessarily that, you know, that, that people have incorporated. So did you find it difficult to make lifestyle changes at the beginning? And, and do you have any tips about that for our listeners? Yes. You know, I, I would make some of the changes. I started making some of the foods and I started to slowly incorporate what we were learning in the course. I realized, though, that I faced a big resistance inside that it was the inner voice that was telling me that you don't deserve this. You don't deserve to be healthy. And that was actually the biggest obstacle that I had to break through and really, you know, look at where that came from and really, you know, really love myself and tell myself something different that, no, actually, you deserve this. Everyone deserves this. And, you know, for me, I always had the intention to help others, to serve others, trying to make a difference in the world. But I wasn't included in that picture, you know, like I didn't include myself in the world outside. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that from Acharya Shunya, that you need to actually do these practices before you want to help other people with them Mm -hmm. was really, you know, amazing. And I felt like that was my intention, you know, that I did want to learn how to make change in myself to then be able to help other people. And it was beautiful how she, as a, a instrument, you know, of the science was really like a messenger of the science was really reinforcing that, you know, we have to lead with integrity. We have to give from a place where we're already full and we're able to then spill out and spill over. And I think that motivation to want to help others by really helping myself first and foremost to really be the change that I wanted to see, that really helped me to break through my own resistance and then start to incorporate it and and really change my own life as a way mm-hmm. to then help others. And I think, you know, in, in t- working with different people and in teaching and in meeting people who have questions about this, sometimes people feel overwhelmed by even the fact that there's 108 practices. I look <laughs> right. at my book as like, oh, this is an introductory beginner book. Acharya right. Shunya's book is so in-depth, you know, but yeah. people see my book and they say, wow, 108 practices, that's a lot. And then so how will I incorporate <laughs> all of them? So I always say, let's just take the pressure off because because well, the way that it works, I feel, and from my own experience, is that we start with what really speaks to us deeply. Yes. Yes. And we start from a place of inspiration. And then that inspiration, you know, leads us to joyfully implement something. And then we get a certain joy from actually making a small change, just a small one anything, any one thing, and then go from joy to joy. So once you feel the effect, once you feel the benefit, or even just the satisfaction that you followed through on your own intention, no matter how small it can be, by celebrating that, you know, I think it's it's creating a positive cycle that we can move from one positive experience to another, just like the cycle of negativity spirals through addictions, we can do the same with our positive choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I should mention that although it's 108, so for example, in the food section, several of those, you know, um, items in the food section might be a recipe, you know, so you might, you know, want to try a recipe, you know, so just to make it a little bit more approachable to people. It's, you know, the, 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 um, the, guidelines or tips of the 108 really vary, you know, some some of them might be, you know, to um, eat more consciously, but then there's also one that's a recipe, you know, so and I love how you are directing people to choose one that, you know, that they're most attracted to, and especially the one that connects with joy, you know, what they can, they can um, uh, institute in a joyful way in their life rather than a feeling of, of oppression. (laughs) I must do 108 new things. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Ananta Ripa Ajmira. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner, yoga instructor, and author. 
You can find out more about her work at her website, wholeyoga-ayurveda.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at pati.fm and we'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and my guest today is Ananta Ripa Ajmira, an Ayurvedic practitioner and author of the book that we are focusing on today, The Ayurveda Way 108 Practices from the World's Oldest Healing System for Better Sleep, Less Stress, Optimal Digestion, and More. So we're going to come back and talk about specific practices to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Um, and as I, I think I've mentioned already, but it really is a beautiful book, has all kinds of photographs and artwork in it. Um, and then there are sections that deal with uh, practices for the body, practices for the mind, practices for the spirit. And of course, these are all interconnected. And you start out, which is totally appropriate, I think, in Ayurveda, which puts such a, such a emphasis on, you know, on our diet. So you start about, start the book talking about food as medicine. So we know that food is a really important component of beginning, of becoming rather and staying healthy and staying balanced, which of course supports 
our emotional nature and our spiritual nature. So uh, you write about uh, wholesome food that gives us um, physical strength and better immunity. And you also list some other benefits that we get when we have a wholesome diet. So what are some of those benefits that we get from food? You know, food is actually the key to everything. So just from our diet, we can feel more mentally clear. I remember that happened to me. Basically, there's three layers of the mind. One is the layer called tamas. And these are mentioned in yoga psychology as well. And tamas is like the inertia layer, the unconscious layer. And, you know, it makes us feel heavy, dark, depression, denial, all of these things that are kind of below the surface that we're unconscious about. And food can make that um, that mental quality exist more in us. And then, you know, we can also experience agitation on the opposite end of things, the opposite of inertia being agitation. We have all of the heating foods, the spicy foods, the foods that make us feel alive, but they can kind of, when we have too much of, you know, hot pungent foods make us feel aggressive and even, you know, violent and and too much energy. And then there's a third quality of the mind, which is all about balance and about clarity. And that's called sattva. And it comes from the root word sat, which means truth. So our food can also have sattvic qualities. And when we eat according to the Ayurvedic diet, we have the opportunity to enhance our mind that way, to really feel mentally more clear, to feel more balanced, to access that joy that we were talking about earlier, to feel a sense of fullness and satisfaction that really is just coming from within. And then, you know, the skin starts to glow and we're able to retrieve old memories and our intellect is helping us to solve problems in different ways that we didn't know we could. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is all in addition to the physical strength and the nourishment that food gives us. Mm -hmm. So the first practice, first of the 108 practices is eating warm cooked foods. And then you have recipes, as I mentioned, throughout the book uh, for dishes that support our health. So why is it important in Ayurveda to eat food that is warm and has been cooked? Yeah, you know, in Ayurveda, the digestion is imagined metaphorically to be like a fire. So when we put cold substances into the fire, cold, raw, uncooked foods, it tends to put the fire out. Whereas when we put warm cooked substances into this fire, it kindles that fire. And the science of Ayurveda is also based on the laws of physics. So wherever there is coldness, there's a constriction that happens. Whenever there's heat, it's the cause of expansion. Mm. So the Ayurvedic sages have envisioned the body as having these channel-like um passageways through which the food travels and the nutrients get transported and circulated and eliminated so that we're able to really benefit the most from our food. And when we have warm cooked foods, what that does is allow the food to travel in an unobstructed way. Whereas when there's cold foods that are put in, there can be some some constriction and some clogging of the channels, which does not allow us to eliminate properly. And we want to eliminate properly because we equally um, need to let go of what is no longer needed by the body. And when that Mm -hmm. elimination doesn't happen, our digestion is impaired and it's the root cause of all, you know, physical and mental ailments, according to Ayurveda. And you also mentioned, which I didn't actually, I didn't mention myself, but I should have, you know, so it's not only warm and cooked, but it's also oiled, lightly oiled is felt to be a beneficial, you know, aspect of of food um, that, again, you know, uh, enhances our ability to digest it. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Because the colon is considered a a seat of the vata dosha, which is the bioforce made of the air and space elements. And when we don't have enough oil in our foods, the the dryness that 
occurs in this area where air and space are naturally tending to accumulate does not allow the stool to be transported out of the body. So the little bit of oil allows the um, the food to actually get eliminated so that we have a good bowel movement. So that's where it's helpful. And then uh, Western medicine has also, you know, really done a reverse on this. I think that, you know, for years it was really important to have a super, super low fat diet. And then I think there's much more of a recommendation now to have, to include healthy fats, you know, uh, um, non uh, hydrogenated, you know, oils and those kinds of things. So um, you also have several recipes for dairy. And I thought this was interesting that you talk about the types of dairy products that are beneficial and also some, some dairy products that we should really, you know, be more, careful about um it's dairy is one of those areas that a lot of people feel um they have an intolerance for you mm-hmm. know that they you know try and avoid so um what are these beneficial dairy foods that ayurveda recommends and perhaps what are the ones that we should avoid yeah you know it's interesting that you mentioned about the oil part because the kind of oil that we really like is actually not an oil it's ghee so ghee right. is clarified butter and it really is so helpful for the body because it's a beneficial fatty acid that boosts our immunity and it really supports a healthy level of cholesterol reduces fat and it's actually amazing because in the proper quantity you can't overdo it if you're trying to lose weight um but in the proper quantity, when people are trying to lose weight and they start to cook with ghee, they actually find that they're able to with the support mm-hmm. of ghee because it's so powerful for digestion in the right amount. And then on the converse, if people are trying to gain weight or build up their physical strength, then they can add more. There's actually recommendations for how much you should add based on the time of year that we're in. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually a very, very helpful um, dairy thing, but it's interesting because you can have it even if you're technically lactose intolerant because the casein or dairy component has actually been removed. Right. That's the, that's what's been clarified out of the butter. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's a really helpful one. And then milk is also recommended in Ayurveda. And my own example is that I, for a long time, did believe I was lactose intolerant because I would grow up as a milk and cereal eating girl, you know, and it never agreed with me. I never felt good having that. And it was cold milk and it was, you know, straight out of the refrigerator. And then when I came to Ayurveda, I was suspicious of milk at first. (laughs) Then Ayurveda says, well, actually, here's a way you can handle it. First of all, cook it, you know, and then let's add some digestive spices to it. And then let's put some sugar to actually make it you know, more nourishing and taste good in certain times of the year. Right now, it may not be appropriate for spring, but other times of the year, this spiced milk recipe is actually really beneficial. And having not tolerated milk for such a long time, I was actually amazed to see how well my body responded to this type of cooked spiced milk. And I think that's Mm -hmm. been the experience of a lot of people who I've been able to introduce this to. And who Mm -hmm. have gone through our school and our programs, you know, at Vedika Global, where Mm -hmm. my teacher teaches. So this is really helpful. And then yogurt is one of those dairy products where it's all about how it's prepared. So if we just have the cold, heavy, sticky yogurt right out of the refrigerator, it will just by the nature of coldness, its sticky nature, clog and and stick to the channels of our body, and it will not get assimilated properly unless we have a very, very strong digestion, which most of us don't because most of us are not so active. We're living more of a sedentary life. So therefore, when we have yogurt that is mixed with four times the amount of water, it's Mm -hmm. whisked, and there are certain spices added to it, like cumin seeds, like bishop's weed seeds, like um, then even the cilantro can be chopped and added to it as another kind of garnish. It actually transforms into a medicinal drink, which is very beneficial for all sorts of digestive disturbances. So the same yogurt, which we don't recommend straight out of the fridge, can actually become a medicinal elixir. It's just mm-hmm. how we prepare it. 
Right. And that that changes the properties. I mean, uh, Ayurveda is also totally about properties, you know, the properties of things, the properties of activities that we do, the properties of foods and, and that how something is prepared really can change, you know, the, 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 um, well, as you just mentioned, you know, the way that our body can digest it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So in the second part of the book, you really talk about Ayurvedic practitioners that can strengthen our mind. So what do you mean when you say strengthen your mind with Ayurveda? Strengthening the mind is really about strengthening the quality of sattva, right? This clarity, this mental balance, which is already, by the way, the natural state of the mind. The true state of the mind is to be clear and balanced and compassionate and focused. But sometimes we don't feel that way, you know? So we want to strengthen the mind to allow this sattva, allow this clarity and allow the balance of the mind to really guide us. And in that way, you know, it's said in the Bhagavad Gita, right, that your mind can be your own best friend or your worst enemy. It -hmm. just depends on how we work with our mind. Do we train the mind? Do we become the master of the mind or are we the mind's servant? So when we're able to strengthen the mind, the mind becomes more of our friend. And I can say from my own experience, my mind was my worst enemy, For so long, I would have so many self-defeating thoughts, negative thoughts, restricting thoughts that I can't do this. I'm so terrible. So much shame, you know, in the mind. Mm. And I think strengthening the mind has really been about connecting it with its with my own higher mind, with my own Mm. sattva and really being able to talk back to my mind and say, actually, no, you know, like, let me train you to think a different way and to be able to replace these thoughts with more positive thoughts. And it's a gradual process, but Mm -hmm. all the practices in the strengthening the mind section of the book really help to uh, make the mind into your friend rather than your enemy. So let's talk about one or two of those. So what what types of practices do you recommend that we incorporate in our daily lives to strengthen our minds? You know, very interestingly, this question came up in one of Acharya Shunya's classes, spiritual classes. And the answer that she had given was to take a shower every day. And also to be very mindful of the company or what is called the satsanga or communion of sat, which is truth, that we keep around us. So that's really amazing, and I find it to be very true that when we take a shower, we're physically purifying our body, but we're also enhancing our mental sattva. So we feel that freshness. We feel that clarity immediately after we take a shower. So it's one of the simplest ways that we can start to strengthen the mind and make it feel you know, more focused and more fresh and more positive and enthusiastic. So that is something that's very powerful and very simple and would be possibly overlooked but you know she says not to overlook it and then similarly the kind of people we surround ourselves with is very very important for our mental health and well-being and sometimes it's not possible to always be around people who reflect back the same values or spiritual path that we ourselves are on what we can do however is start to surround our mind with more spiritual influences by reading uplifting books, by listening to inspiring lectures, by writing journals of ideas that inspire us. And in that way, we keep the company of the uplifting truth, which really then serves to strengthen our mind. Yes. And and, uh, in addition to the things that you mentioned, I think also an awareness that when we, what we're ingesting is way beyond our food. You know, we're ingesting, you know, uh, looking at online, watching TV, those kinds of things. And I have found now, you know, that I'm more aware of these things. There's just certain shows I can't watch on TV. I just, I just really can't, you know, I just, they're just not beneficial. Um, they're not uplifting. And, and, uh, Anyway, I, I found that it's been helpful for me to be, become more aware of that, more aware of, of what I'm taking in, ingesting on more than just the physical, like the food level. 
Absolutely. And it's really amazing because the fourth dimension of Ayurveda beyond just body, mind and spirit is the five senses. So our five senses are really like doorways through which we do take in food through the senses, through our eyes, through our ears, through our mouth, through our nose and through our skin. So we have to be very mindful what we allow through those doorways and allow into our being, including the kind of programs we watch on TV. So we absolutely would agree with that in Ayurveda. So there's so many wonderful practices in the book. I, I wish we have more time. We're down to about the last maybe three or four minutes of the program. But um, I didn't want to end without talking about meditation, which is a foundational component of yoga. And uh, also, I particularly enjoyed what you were saying in, in your book about silence. You say that in Ayurveda, silence is intimately connected with element of space, as all of Ayurveda is connected with, you know, different elements of nature, such as um, air, water, fire, earth, and ether, or space. Um, so what, what does Ayurveda teach about the importance of silence? Silence is really such a gift. It's connected with the element of space and it's really as expansive as the sky it's such a necessary ingredient for spiritual life because we often don't hear the sound of our own higher self our own true inner knowing because we're so distracted by the external sounds of television of other people of traffic of noise of radio of this and that and I think what I have experienced in my own life is that I needed to really be silent to see the deeper issues in my life to then be able to address them. It was uncomfortable at first to experience that and to realize what intense emotions I also held inside of me. And yet when I gave myself truly the gift of silence, I feel that I was able to start to resolve these issues, to reach out for help as I needed and then to start to accept them more and to accept myself and to accept my own emotions and my own, you know, my own self in, in all of this and to really then practice more self-love. So I think silence is a beautiful space for that. It also gives us a space to really receive insight and to receive clarity. I feel like it's a space in which our own wisdom starts to bloom and like a, a beautiful soil for a garden of a peaceful mind to grow because it's the the thing that actually connects us with our, our true spiritual essence. So what are some ways that people could bring this practice of uh, silence into their lives? I think just even starting by carving out maybe five minutes of silence in the morning would be a beautiful way to begin with that. Mm. Um, I also think uh, being outside in nature is a really wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Now it's not always silent, but you don't necessarily have to bring <laughs> your, you know, your portable electronic device with you. Exactly. <laughs> you can just be outside and maybe instead of hearing people, you're hearing the wind or if you're near the ocean, mm -hmm. you know, hearing the sound of the water near a stream. I mean, there's just uh, um, really some beautiful uh, ways that you can experience. And again, it doesn't have to be forever. I mean, it can just be for a few moments. It can be very refreshing. Absolutely. I mean, nature truly is the highest healer in Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is all about living in harmony with nature. So I like to do that after I take after I have my lunch, I like to take a short walk outside and leave my cell phone behind and just mm -hmm. view it nature. And it's so healing. So in the last minute or so, what words, closing words of uh, inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? I would just love to say, begin your journey today. Mm. You know, don't wait, but just follow your heart. You know, as if you read this book or if you listen to this interview, really just see what is that one thing that resonates with your deeper being and then start with it because starting really has boldness and magic to it and to feel the power of this science it's an experiential science so you must really you know put something into practice and give yourself the gift of that magic 
which mm. can then, you know, lead you to ultimately change your own life. Mm. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing how to heal our bodies, strengthen our minds, and free our spirit with special guest Ananta Ripa Ajmira. And Ananta's last name is spelled A-J-M-E-R-A. Ananta is an Ayurvedic practitioner and teacher and the author of the book we've been discussing today, The Ayurveda Way. You can find out more about her work at her website, wholeyoga-ayurveda.com. Thank you so much, Ananta, for joining us. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to connect with you. For our listeners, join us next week for an encore program from June 1st, 2017, when Yogacharya O'Brien met with organizational expert Andrew Mellon to discuss removing the obstacles, unclutter your mind and your life. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at their website, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers, Anne Hayes and Sean Smith, and as always, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In this constantly changing world, life and personal values can seem more than a little unstable. Just when you think you have it all figured out, then everything changes. Sometimes life can seem overwhelming. Well, the good news is you can change your life. You have within you the power to learn how to flow with the changes and smooth out the bumps of life. You can experience the joy, peace, health, and abundance you deserve. You were created to be happy and productive. That urge to grow and express yourself was put there for a reason. Learn the spiritual principles that can help you not just to survive, but thrive in this changing world. At Unity, we'd like to help you do just that. 
This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 